Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. This thing is insane with how quick, and I think they're only on chat GPT, I think what they're calling it AI3 right now. And GPT4 is like 100 times what it is right now. So I can only imagine how quickly and exponentially beneficial and kind of scary this tool is going to become when it's chat GPT AI50. You know, it's wild. And, And I'm curious, if anything, you guys are thinking about or looking at in terms of how AI is either disrupting and or creating opportunity in the financial markets, financial services sector, the business sector, and just AI really starting to kind of hit the scene in a much more rapid pace. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. I am your host, Maddie A., my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. Guys, we cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance on this particular episode of Millionaire Mindcast to help you on your wealth building journey. It's been an interesting week, and we've got a lot to dig into. Some interesting stuff and exciting stuff for the markets. We got some real estate updates for you, and a lot of stuff that's been going on in the political sphere that uh, has just kind of dominated headline news. And I'm curious how that's going to tie into the overall outlook of what uh, you know the financial markets are seeing. With that being said, if you are new to the show, uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode of Millionaire Mindcast. If you enjoy anything that we talk about, find any value with what we talk about, uh, all we ask, share it with a friend, a family member, somebody that you think can gain some value from it. And most importantly, just take 90 seconds, leave us a review in iTunes. That is how we continue to share and spread this amazing message. And we're just big believers that you grow into the conversations that you are a part of, you grow into the environments that you are a part of. So we like to, at least on this episode, talk all things money. And it has been quite an interesting week, which we're going to be digging into here. Specifically, the whole house speaker thing was uh, a very... That was was pretty crazy. I was... 
It went a little actually shorter than I thought it was going to go based on it starting. So I'm glad. Yeah, McCarthy said he'll go, what, 100, 100 rounds if he needs to. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. That's and long, what I think long. he got, he got voted in as house speaker on 15th, 15th round. Yeah, I think. And really it was 20, um, kind of key Republicans that really wanted to lean in on some very specific policy, you know, changes, mm-hmm. you know, drain the swamp type of, you know, mindset and discussions. And ultimately it led to some somewhat positive stuff overall, which um, I am curious to hear your thoughts on kind of how that all played out and what does that really, you know, from a political and or financial uh, standpoint mean for, um, you know, individuals that are looking to make some money, save some money and grow their money. Like I was saying last week, I think it's really good that it's done because I wanted kind of things to be done because I knew that once the some of it was charades. And as I was saying, it was one, it was mainly two to three individuals in the pack of 20 that were really pushing hard to get a couple of agenda pieces through, uh, which some of them I think were really good. I don't know all of them. I'm sure not all of them were great, um, but they obviously came to an amicable agreement, which I think is awesome because repealing of uh, 87,000 uh, IRS agents passes the House. It's on the way to the Senate. I think it might even pass the Senate um, just because it saves money. Um, can keep in mind the Senate is Democrat controlled now. So uh, we'll have to fingers crossed that we can get some bipartisanship on that. Um, but just stuff is starting to get done in the way that we are uh, wanting it to um, from a, I think there's more of a strike of a balance from a conservative and a non-conservative standpoint. So I'm excited for that. Um, I do, uh, as I mentioned a, f- a few months ago, the stock market likes a gridlock in the House and the Senate. It allows for a little bit more, um, less of what's called, uh, goodness gracious, what am I trying to say? It's a uh, systemic risk based on um, legislative risk. There we go. So I couldn't think of it. It's uh, less legislative risk. Less stuff gets passed um, or stuff gets passed slower or if things do get passed. It's kind of with a little bit of both sides, not just so much right or so much left. Um, so the stock market likes that. And that's all coupling with uh, the current stuff that we're going to get into. That's kind of indicating to me that um, we have some light here towards the end of this very uh, short tunnel or almost over through. So, so to recap some of what was in this kind of initial push from uh, at least the right is repeal funding of 87,000 IRS agents. I think that's a win for America as a whole. Um, Look Uh into, what were you going to say? I said, and they also just introduced a new Mm -hmm. uh, bill today to completely get rid of the IRS um, as far as from an income tax standpoint. Oh, it would just be a federal entity to collect federal taxes. So they wouldn't collect income taxes anymore. And then they would set a national sales tax. And that would be super legit. Getting rid of payroll taxes, getting rid of um, self-employment taxes, small business taxes. Um, It would, getting rid of the income tax would make it a balance. And then the payroll tax, it's payroll taxes for people who own businesses, you know that. And then the income tax helps people who don't own businesses work for corporations. And the corporations are going to be saving a ton of money on the payroll tax, which is the number one tax that they um, pretty much pay, I think. 
they would need to figure out where to get funding from for programs like Social Security and other items. But I think that I'm very big on low taxes for all people or like a flat tax. So, so, you know, everybody pays the same percentage. It doesn't matter how much money you make, just you pay the same percentage. And then if you can deduct against that percentage, that's fine. So I'm very excited for that. The thing that I think people forget is that income taxes was supposed to be a temporary thing. And it was actually introduced by, I believe, Abraham Lincoln uh, during the Civil War. And it was like 3%. And it was supposed to be temporary for people who made somewhere around over $800 a year. Ha, 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 $800. Um, but it was supposed to be temporary. So income tax didn't used to exist pre-Civil War. It was a way to fund for the military, which I believe is how a lot of it's used. And we have a very robust military and they're very capitalized. And so I think there's ways that we can make money with our current GDP and still fund the military to a high degree, but not take it from people's income tax. Hmm. You think think it's got any legs that it's going to actually... I was trying to see how much legs it had. I, it's a legit bill. It's been it was introduced in 2021. I just don't think there was any bipartisanship to it, so it was kind of shot down. So probably not. But I wish and I hope there is, um, because I think that would be a really good idea to have lower taxes for people, no, regardless of your income. And if you own a business, you get a double whammy. So I think it rewards people for entrepreneurialism, uh, entrepreneur ugh, being entrepreneurial. And because of that, that'll drive more people to open businesses, make more money, um, invest domestically, which is good for domestic product uh, production. Excuse me. So, I think it's a win-win-win. If if there's all of the boxes checked, you can't just say mm-hmm. yes, lower taxes because that's we've done that in the past and that doesn't work. So it has to be: Are we going to fund Social Security for the people who need it? Are we going to fund uh, Medicare the way we need to? Are we going to fund the social programs that we actually do need that are very good? And how are we going to do that and from where? I think a sales tax is great. It'd probably be a higher sales tax than people are used to, but then they're not paying income tax. I'm pretty sure it would pencil out. So it's just like uh, essentially the more you consume, the more in taxes you pay. And the less you consume, the less in taxes you pay. Mm. I think that's very fair. Some additional items that got put in the spotlight and are looking to get moved forward, looking into the weaponization of the FBI, a budget that stops an increase in the debt ceiling and holds the Senate accountable, Mm -hmm. ending all COVID mandates and funding, uh, term limit vote, single subject bills that can't be loaded with irrelevant pork, the what they're calling Jeffersonian motion to vacate the chair, which allows a single person to make the motion to remove the speaker if they go back on their word or policy agenda, 72 hours to read a bill. Uh, some interesting stuff that was was put in there and somewhat, you know, I think relevant and important to at least be having some discussion around. Yeah, and it's, once it gets passed or it gets closer to passing, it'll be more relevant, but it's good that that stuff's going to hit the floor so that it can be talked about because I think all of that stuff is relevant to a degree. Yeah, one big one is the Texas border plan mm-hmm. that magically, once that was going to get moved forward, all of a sudden, uh, two years too late, Joe Biden finally shows up in El Paso, Texas to uh, start seeing what's going on with uh, the border and the you know the large influx of people migrating into the U.S. So I thought that was kind of funny. It's almost three times the daily average amount 
of uh, or monthly average, I think. Is it monthly average? Monthly average amount um, per administration prior to current. Um, so it just goes to show you kind of, you know, the policies and they may not be like nice or, or flowery, but sometimes that's uh, required to kind of get the job done. Yeah. So. Another very interesting, it always, it, it always happens, right? Uh, it happened to Trump and, and now that they have the ability to do so, uh, I think as of today, uh, Biden impeachment files were, uh, at least put in motion. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that really matters on that front? I mean, it's just one of those things, right, where it's more posturing and... Yeah, I think it's just they're going to point out... ...after each other for all of the things that they dislike about the, you know, sitting administration. I think that, coupled with the uh, fact the New York Times broke that information that um, Joe Biden had some classified documents um, at one of his Delaware homes from 2013 to 2016, and they knew... Um, in September prior to the uh, last election, that information, and it was not disclosed until now. So people are kind of making a stink about that. And I think what they're going to do is use it as a platform to air some of his dirty laundry, uh, per se. And that, you know, we have an election coming up in 2024. So I think there's going to be a lot of um, political stuff going back and forth for the year. They're kind of taking a page out of the Democrats playbook and using it against them um, from what for what they did to Trump for um, some of the stuff that he was alleged to be involved with and then also like his tax returns mm. um, because that was um, although there's some years where he didn't pay taxes and some years that he did and there was some you know small questioning on some things um, nothing really to the, the level of illegal. Uh, was done. And so that was kind of, a, I think the term was a big nothing burger. And that's what a lot of the stuff ended up being. So um, very interesting to see um, what will happen. Likely nothing to the equivalent of what happened to Trump. That's also what happens when you become as vocal as he was. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting headline from Microsoft camp this week. Microsoft in talks to invest $10 billion in chat GPT for 49% stake of the company at a valuation of $29 billion. I believe that bring their total investment to $11 billion because I believe they've already put a billion dollars in. Wow. So they are already, I think this is their way of saying, hey, this is how we take down Google um, because Google would then likely fall or succumb to chat GPT as the number one search engine because it has kind of like a personal assistance um yeah personal assistant feel to it yeah I mean it's 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 pretty crazy with we've been playing around with it on you know a bunch of different fronts in terms of how it can be a content creator for you and you know I see authors and copywriters during the months of this of this year what should I make my 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 hotel room costs to be competitive with my with my local you know it'll, it'll I mean, do that I mean for we you. can yeah it was um you know some people are using it as a search engine which I think is kind of the lowest level of utility for it mm-hmm. then there's people that are using it as you know one of my good friends who's kind of a guru and really into AI he's like 
treat it like it's one of the smartest employees you've ever had and, and, and tell it exactly what to do and, yeah. and, and where to expand and where to give you more clarity and what to remove. And I mean, this thing is insane with how quick, and I think they're only on chat GPT, I think what they're calling it AI3 right now. And AI4 is like, um, GPT AI4 is like 100 times what it is right now. So I can only imagine, you know, how quickly and exponentially um, you know, beneficial and kind of scary this tool is going to become when it's chat GPT AI 50, you know, it's yeah wild. And, and I'm curious what, if anything, you guys are thinking about or looking at in terms of how AI is either disrupting and or creating opportunity in the financial markets, financial services sector, the business sector, and just AI really starting to kind of hit the scene in a much more rapid pace. Yeah, we actually already use artificial intelligence and machine learning in our um, algorithm. So our AI, you know, name for ours is Cara, um, which a bunch of guys name in an algorithm that kind of sounds like a woman's name, but cyclical asset reallocation algorithm. So we already deploy that. And that kind of looks at a level of... um, data points from a top-down and a bottom-up perspective and allows us to make decisions or try to make decisions based on a very strict rules-based principles approach. And for us, anytime something happens that hasn't happened before, it teaches CARA um, how to try to identify that again in the future if similar setups happen so that it can tell us to make adjustments based on what it's learned in the past. It's not perfect and it's still young. Um, she's only about 22 years old, been around since about 2001. But um, very, very instrumental in helping us pick some of our positions and make some of the trades we do. And we're, again, looking very long-term, not necessarily just in the short-term on being stock pickers or day traders. We're investing for people five to 10 years mm-hmm. at a time. So sometimes it takes a little bit for the positions to mature, but that's exactly what we want them to do. So I'm curious what your thoughts are as this continues to evolve and evolve at the pace that it is evolving at right now. I mean, is is AI going to become kind of this secret sauce and tool that once was utilized kind of by the big boys and girls of Wall Street that ultimately allows the retail trader to compete and, you know, engage in kind of the financial markets in a in a new context? Um and I know yeah. time will tell, but I mean, it's as it evolves and it gets smarter and there's more data to pull from and the, you know, ability to utilize that data, you know, plays out over time and then results are kind of seen and where the holes are and where, you know, the gaps get filled. I'm, I'm curious how this is going to, you know, kind of revolutionize really not just financial markets. We're talking about it in this particular context, but really in all industries. In my opinion, it's a yes and a no because yes, it will obviously revolutionize the way people can access data, just kind of like the internet did for people. And we have the internet and we have places like Robinhood, like Interactive Broker, like TD Ameritrade, like Charles Schwab. And it's not that people are beating the market still because humans still have emotion and that emotion kind of intervenes with what they really should be doing. I don't know, following their plan, following a set of rules. And so even if we have artificial intelligence, I don't 
think of it this way. You wouldn't have the equivalent of chat, GPTs, AI, like full infrastructure sitting in your living room. And so I don't think it's that accessible yet. Almost like um, when computers first came out, you know, they used to be the size of rooms and it took them 30 or 40 years to get to where they were a PC, a personal computer. I believe Macintosh was the first one in the 90s or the 80s. I can't remember exactly when. Um, and then the internet came around and it took a long time for that to kind of get, but it, it, it develops faster and faster and faster. My point is, I think eventually it'll be a lot more relevant to investing than it is today. I think what it's going to help is people do what they do in investing today much faster and much more efficiently. So what does it look like when everybody's driving the most efficient car on the street? I think it's then how, what street do they pick and how do they, how do they pick to drive it? Because if they can pick to drive it almost perfectly, wouldn't you go for more risk? Wouldn't you hedge your bets more accurately? So what does that, you know, does it mean that people are going to lose less money and make more money in the stock market? Does it mean that they can apply that to real estate and say, oh, no, it's not the best time to sell your house now. We should wait until March. Which mm-hmm. We're going to get, you know, we're going to get this percentage more of a sale price because of that. And then you, you take it a step further. That increases the commissions and payouts for real estate agents who then are going to, that's going to drive more people to that place to work. And so there's going to be more people to sell out. So, you know, it's this really, it drives change. And that's why capitalism is good. Capitalism is this ever revolving door of ideas where things eventually come in and eventually go out, but they always move forward. Yeah. I saw Pat David Bett uh, post a little bit on it today. And, you know, more and more people are talking about it in general. And he was just saying, you know, so many people are scared that it's going to completely, you know, eliminate so many different industries and jobs. It's also going to create millions of jobs that spin off of utilizing the technology and leveraging the technology Mm -hmm. and, you know, working alongside and with the technology. So, I mean, that's, that's how, you know, that's how we are where we're at today. We're, we're, we're a constant, you know, species of, of beings that look for ways to innovate and expand and to elevate and grow and, um, I think if you come at it with a, you know, an open mindset and look yeah. at how it can be a utility and well, obviously, of course, always looking at the downside, but being optimistic about how it can bring value to your organization, your industry, your job, you know, your company, whatever it may be, um, allowing the tool to serve you instead of having it be something that's fear-based and, you know, rooted in, um, you know, pessimism is uh, going to be the difference between the people who, you know, leverage it to crush and, and the people that allow it to crush them. Couldn't have said it better myself. So for this upcoming week, we've got some important numbers that you guys are paying attention to. What's on the agenda? And, you know, what are we looking at? And how does that dictate what the markets might do in response? So a week or so ago, we had the ISM index um, start to dive down, which is the services um, index indicator, essentially. And a lot of people that, in my opinion, don't know what they're talking about, said, oh, no, this is a bad thing. This is a terrible thing. And what really that actually was an indicator is it, to, to me and to a lot of people who are a lot more active and more modern-based uh, financial theory, that's actually an indicator that inflation has and is coming down pretty quickly. Um, it's actually back to like 2021 levels, that ISM index. 
So fast forward to this week, we saw a big pop last Friday, a carry through on Monday, a big um, rise in the market early on Monday, and then it kind of flattened out. And then today we had a, um, the futures were actually negative, which indicated to me we were going to have an up day when the market opened. And we did. And it carried through to some pretty heavy volume. And I think those people are looking forward um, to Thursday's CPI read. Um, this is probably the biggest CPI read that we've had, minus our last one that kicked off this, this new trend of potential to potentially going to neutral. And what I think is going to happen based on what the bond market is indicating is we're going to get a neutral to negative print on headline, meaning the headline number will be the same as last month or lower than last month. And then what we're going to get after that on the core is right now that's a projected of a 0.3, so 30 basis point tick up. But if we get a 20 basis point or lower tick up, so a 0.2 tick on that core CPI or lower, that would force the Fed to revise their uh, long-term Fed funds rate number down to, I believe, 4.6, about 60 basis points lower than where they currently have it. And we are, after a 25 basis point hike, essentially at that level, right a little bit above it. That would allow the Fed to then get their overshoot, which is what they had uh, Jerome Powell this morning verbatim said they might need to do, and would kind of check all the boxes. I think the thing the Fed is scared of right now is they know that inflation is down, but they can't let the lion or the dog off the leash too quickly because they don't want to let inflation get, um, or they don't want it to get too hot too fast. And that melt up scenario I was kind of uh, describing um, a few episodes back. So I think what they're doing is kind of like what they did when inflation was transitory, which is I think they're telling a little white lie. And I I honestly think they know that the, that inflation is, is, is in control. And I don't believe we need to get a cut in interest rates to even get a rally in stocks or equity markets for the year. Because if we do get that, that print at that level, not only is that going to indicate what people already are thinking and force the Fed to, to do a 25 basis point hike and then likely pause, which is what I've been saying for probably six to eight, nine months now, um, it would force them to then say to really actually consider doing cuts starting in quarter three or quarter four of this year, which is going to bring an influx of people back into the real estate market at a non-traditional time, which is going to be a really good thing for the real estate market. I think it's going to provide a lot of opportunity for people to get into some of these new builds at much lower interest rates while it's still very much a buyer's market because of where I believe inventory will be a lot more caught up at that point. So that kind of inventory drag that we're seeing will be softened by then. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors 
who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yep. So that's what I'm seeing right now. I'm still sticking to my guns for a rebound here early in the year. Um, very consistent, like what I've been saying pretty much the whole time. Um, the bond market is leading me to, to believe that we'll for sure get a rebound within the next, uh, by, by March to June of this year. Uh, that could obviously change on a dime as things can do in the equity markets. But right now, that's that's leading me there. And I'll especially think that if we do get those CPI headline and core prints, like we're, like we're hoping we get and are anticipated. There's an anticipation for a flat CPI right now headline, which is really good for the core number. So for those of you who want to, you know, engage and get your financial plan, your portfolio reviewed, dialed in. Don't forget to take advantage of the free financial x-ray that Ryan and his team do for all our Millionaire Mindcast listeners free of charge. That's just one of the value propositions that he and his amazing team love to offer to you guys. So if you haven't taken advantage of that, text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. I know you had a ton of people doing it at the end of the year, a ton of people that are engaging on doing it the beginning of the year to really kind of get in a position where I always say, dig the well before you want to scoop the water. And there's going to be some amazing opportunity that you might want to have some dry powder for. You might want to have at least a good plan for, or at least most importantly, that you're not getting taken advantage of and, you know, on your heels should something shift in a negative direction, which we're not necessarily seeing that right now. But if you're following Mr. Peter Schiff, our favorite bear, uh, in the financial markets, he's always talking about something falling out from the bottom. And that ultimately right now, his sure. big criticism is that the Fed just doesn't understand how to fight inflation and, you know, keep the market from, uh, you know, having a hard landing. Yeah. And I think um, I think the black swan event of 2023 is the Fed is going to have a soft landing to a degree. Um, and that's that was not expected, but nothing that if you go back and look at what I've been saying that has ended up happening, I would have been on the small percentile of people saying what I've been saying and it's been happening. And it's just because the, the data points that, that less people use but are becoming more popular and will become the staple are more forward-looking indicators. You don't drive looking. The, the saying has been this year's and for the last few months is you don't drive down the road looking in your rearview mirror. 
And a lot of people I would, and I would uh, say that as well, I, I would accuse the Fed currently of, of doing that to a, a degree more so than is necessary. And Jerome Powell even coming out today, kind of digging his heels in a little bit. Well, he can get, he can have his cake and eat it too if he wants to dig his heels in and they have to revise their number down 60 basis points. They can do their 25 basis point hike. It's already baked into the market that they're going to do something like that, regardless of if he says he's going to stay to the 50 basis points. And I'm hoping that they do that 25 basis point hike. And I think that after that CPI number, it's going to have to happen. And I think they will indicate that they're going to lean towards a pause. I don't think we have cuts immediately coming. I think that'll happen, like I said, quarter three, quarter four. But if we do get that pause and, and data continues to come in in the way that it does, and I'll throw in one other misnomer, earnings are better or not as bad as anticipated, uh, which has been kind of consistent for the past 18 months with analyst expectations, we should have a really nice year. That could lead us to more the tw- towards the 20% on the S&P versus the 7 to 9% where I'm kind of definitely comfortable saying where we're probably going to be at towards the end of the year, somewhere around that 4,100 mark on the S&P. So stay invested, folks, is what you put money in. Well, absolutely. talking about right now. And, you know, for those of you that are trying to time the real estate market right now, you know, do we know that the real estate market is going to have some fluctuation, maybe, you know, some, some downward decrease in values? Absolutely. But there's still a lot of markets right now that are up year over year. Um, inventory, as we, of course, continue to track that as being one of the, you know, biggest kind of metrics around supply and demand. Inventory is up 61.4% year over year from this week to the same week last year in 2022. However, it is still down 42.3% compared to the same week in 2019. And usually, you know, of course, it always kind of tightens up and squeezes down during the winter times. Not a lot of people moving during the winter weather, right? This time of year, holidays. That being said, you know, inventory usually bottoms out in February and then starts to jump up again. So how fast it's going to jump, what type of, you know, uh, distress we see in the market with pre-foreclosure starts, with forbearance plans, you know, increasing, uh, you know, things along those lines will be interesting. Time will tell. Days on market, amount of offers, mortgage applications, all of that stuff really, in my opinion, isn't going to be too much of a forecasting or foreshadowing indicator as to where the market's going until we probably get through, you know, the the first two months of the year and start heading into really when the majority of things heat up in the real estate market. But here's the thing, you know, there's always going to be opportunity out there. I'm already starting to get people sending me more flip leads. I'm already starting to get people sending me more opportunities that often are having somewhat of distress tied to it whether they bought the house and they can't keep up with the payment because they were on a you know variable rate mor- a mortgage whether it's you know they didn't necessarily plan for certain repairs they have a partnership issue there's always going to be distress in every market good or bad just like there's you know in the stock market always a bull market somewhere right even if we're in a this bear market it is just so much easier to be a perma bull in real estate and the investment side, because yes, you're not always going to win. That doesn't want to be meaning a permable means. It just means that you're always conscious that there's opportunity, whether the market's better than expected, or you need to be a contrarian, which I would argue right now, 
people that are going to be a contrarian on both sides are the ones that are going to, and generally always are, going to be rewarded the most. Yep. Because you're doing the hard thing. Risk rewards you more than non-risk rewards you. That's just the bottom line. And single family real estate is probably not going to have as much upside or opportunity as what we're going to see here in the commercial market sectors of asset classes over the course of the next 12 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be opportunity in single family as well. So if you're one of those base hit people that's, you know, consistently looking to, you know, buy one, you know, a year over the next 10 years, you're going to find some good opportunities. And depending on what kind of market you're in, if you're a heavy cash flow market, if you're a heavy appreciation market, if you're looking for a mix of both, I think if you're always buying right, you know, and you're doing it consistently over an extended period of time, you're going to do just fine. I think there's going to be some really good opportunities, some doubles, some triples, even some home runs and grand slams in the commercial markets, especially in the areas and sectors that have kind of become most depressed and most challenged through the pandemic. You got office, you've got, you know, some of the different hospitality assets that are out there. I still think industrial is a really strong play. And, you know, looking for, the opportunities, because there's a lot of people that are, you know, getting to that retirement boomer age in mm-hmm. beyond that are looking to cash in and get into something more stable, less, la- you know, less labor intensive. And, you know, in commercial real estate, the easiest way to add value is, you know, to increase, right, the condition and improve the condition of asset, paint, landscaping, signage, right, fixing the property up. Of course, restructuring your leases, longer-term leases with annual rent bumps and increases, which of course is going to increase hopefully your top-line revenue. And then the third piece of it is just reducing your expenses, increasing the cash flow overall based on the cap rate. If you increase cash flow, net cash flow, and you create a more stabilized income stream year over year, you're going to pump more value and stabilize more value into that asset. And there's a lot of people that have neglected the repairs that are necessary, right? Because they want to keep cash on hand or they're running lean and tight, right? There's people that, you know, haven't been able to find creative and, you know, um, collaborative ways of restructuring their leases. And there are people that haven't gotten, you know, proactive in reaching out and, you know, looking as less vendors have less or more vendors have less leverage you can start putting people against each other to come in with better pricing, which again, all of this is coming back to increasing your net operating income, which is of course going to stabilize the value of your assets. So I think there's really going to be some exciting opportunities in commercial real estate. And the best way that you can start finding some of those opportunities is starting to build some relationships, lean into the right conversations, lean into the right circles, the right communities, and ultimately just being in the game and getting some repetition, just like Ryan is in the game every single day in the stock markets and knowing what ultimately the trends are and what the data shows. It's the same thing and whether it's single family or commercial real estate. So I'd encourage you to start that now. And if you're one of those people that doesn't want to be that active investor, that's fine too. You can always join people like me. I have my syndication deals list and opportunities that I put out there. If you want to know what that is for accredited investors and looking at different deals, just text the word deals to 844-447-1555. There's a lot of other, you know, individuals, groups, you know, sponsors that are out there in the trenches every day, finding great opportunities with great reputations. And just like there's a lot of bad ones in, you know, real estate and there's a lot of bad ones in 
you know, the financial services sector, you just got to know what to look for, what questions to ask, who to align yourself with. And of course, you know, those warm referrals from people that you know, like, and trust are always a great place to start. So I thought I would share this with you, Ryan, as we wrap up today. Um, So approximately 600,000 millennials are already millionaires. There's 22 million millionaires total in the U.S. And in the financial services sector specifically, it has created more millionaires in modern times than any other industry and profession. The second one, business owners. The third one, real estate. Look at that. Look I mean, at that. Looks like we look picked, that. Looks like we picked a uh, combination of all three. You got the you got two and three, and I got one and two. Well, I think that's the the beauty of having collaboration with the right team members, the right people. Um, you don't need you don't need to win big all the time by yourself. You know, you could win small over and over again, and allow somebody else to win small over and over again alongside you, and that ultimately equals something big when you're doing things that, you know, converge and and work cohesively or in the world that we talk about, right, holistically Mm -hmm. together. So this is a marathon made up of many strategic sprints and, you know, sometimes jogs, sometimes walks. But as long as you're constantly putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to cover some distance. And that's ultimately what we want to do for this show is to create opportunity to be on the path to have the right people around you, to be in the right conversations. So if you get any value from the show, we appreciate you guys listening in, tuning in each and every week. Don't forget to share this with somebody that you think might get some value from it. And if you uh, don't mind taking 90 seconds, leave a review on whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on, you can always head over to millionermindcast.com, check out the store, check out all the freebies, resources. If you want to know more about the upcoming events and small masterminds and groups that we got going on, just text the word events to 844-447-1555. As I mentioned earlier, if you want to connect with Ryan and his amazing team, X-Ray to 844-447-1555. If you want to get on my syndication deals list, deals to that same phone number. And if you're not on my text letter yet, where I get to engage and connect with you guys each and every week, uh, text the word notes to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. With that being said, Keep investing in yourself and your wealth to your march to a million and beyond. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and You're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high-net-worth individuals 
Be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 